0: At Online MedEd, we walk you through every topic in detail, so you're ready for the boards and the wards. Gallbladder disease is about gallstones, so I want to
1: begin the discussion with gallstones in general. Then we're going to progress in terms of severity of illness based on where the stone gets stuck. What I want you to pay attention to is what is the diagnostic step to use, and then how soon does the gallbladder
0: come out. Let's start off with cholelithiasis gallstones. This is the system as I want you to see it. There's a liver, biliary tree, cystic duct, and the gallbladder. And in cholelithiasis,
1: what you've got is a bunch of stones in the gallbladder. And that's it gallstones come from two places most of the time it's mixed but mixed with what there are cholesterol stones
0: which are green and those come from the 5 Fs fat female 40 and fertile. The fifth F is Native American. And the other
1: type of stone are the pigmented stones. These stones are black and come from homolysis. But really it doesn't matter what type of stone you have because they're going to present the same way and you won't know which stone it is until you cut out the gallbladder. Cholothiasis matters because whenever you eat, bile acids are sitting in the gallbladder, ready to act. And when you eat food, the gallbladder contracts and pushes all of those bile acids into the duodenum. That helps you digest fats. The problem is, when you contract against a bunch of sharp rocks, all those gallstones, it hurts. So a person who's got gallstones is going to present with colicky abdominal pain, generally in the right upper quadrant radiates to the shoulder. And this is going to be worse with fatty foods. Why fatty foods? Because fatty foods cause more contraction of the gallbladder. Well, that's basically it. And so what you want to do is, if this person has colic right of a quadrant pain it radiates to the shoulder worse with fatty foods, you want to figure out, do they have gallstones? And for all of these, every disease we talk about, the right upper quadrant ultrasound is going to be the first diagnostic step and in cholelithiasis, what you'll see are gallstones. Ultrasound is a really good way of assessing something when it's up against something else. What I mean by that is if you've got a solid next to a liquid it's a really good test. The liver is solid. The gallbladder is full of fluid. It appears black. On ultrasound the liver looks like a sponge. So it's a really good test to look at gallbladder disease. So regardless of which gallbladder disease it is, the right upper quadrant ultrasound is going to be the first test. Now either you see the gallstones or you don't. And if you see the gallstones, they've got cholelithiasis, and the treatment is cholecystectomy. But this is done electively. That is literally whenever the patient wants. If they're not a surgical candidate, a little caveat, you can use urso-deoxy-cholic acid. This would be for the very old person who probably wouldn't survive the surgery. But generally, cholecystectomy is curative, and it can be done whenever you want. But if one of those gallstones pops out and ends up in the cystic duct, you end up with cholecystitis. And as the name implies, itis. You've got some inflammation. The liver. Biliary tree is fine. And now there's an obstruction at the cystic duct. And this is true through the entire lecture. Wherever you have an obstruction, the things proximal to that will be inflamed. So the gallbladder is going to get big, inflamed, and angry. We'll still have gallstones in it. But now you've got inflammation. Cholecystitis is caused by gallstones, now in the cystic duct. And because you've got inflammation of the gallbladder, you're going to see things
0: like pericholecystic fluid, a thickened gallbladder wall, and of course, gallstones.
1: Because it's inflammatory, the patient is not going to present with a colicky pain any longer. Now it is going to be constant. And there will be a positive Murphy sign. To do the Murphy sign appropriately, picture the board as a person, you put your hand on their ribs and your thumb over their liver. You have them take a big, deep breath and let it all out. Then you jab your thumb into their gallbladder and have them do it again. If they stop breathing because of the pain, the arrest of inspiration, positive Murphy sign. And now, because you've got itis, you have inflammation. Which means you'll have a mild fever and a mild leukocytosis. The diagnosis begins, as we've learned, with the right upper quadrant ultrasound what you're looking for is the itis. You're looking for pericholecystic fluid, thickened gallbladder wall, and gallstones. You have these three things, the diagnosis is done. You don't have to do anything else. But if you really think the person has cholecystitis and the right upper quadrant ultrasound doesn't show you what you want, then you get a HIDA scan. Now, pay attention. You are looking for pericholecystic fluid, Thickened gallbladder wall and gallstones in the gallbladder. You very rarely, if ever, see the obstructing stone. With the HIDA scan, what you're looking for is perfusion. You inject some radio tracer. What will happen is the tracer will descend, fill the gallbladder,
0: and the rest of the biliary tree. That's normal. If instead you have cholecystitis, That should fill, but because you have an obstruction here,
1: the biliary tree is going to fill without difficulty, but the gallbladder won't. Failure to fill is a positive test. If either the right upper quadrant ultrasound or the HIDAS scan is positive, you're going to treat for cholecystitis. That's NPO, IV fluids, IV antibiotics. We'll talk about which IV antibiotics at the end of the lecture.
0: And you're going to use cholecystectomy. This is urgent.
1: You have to get this done within 72 to 96 hours. It doesn't have to come out right away. It's not emergent, but it's urgent. Waiting is going to allow that inflammation to progress, and the gallbladder may perforate. Or the gallbladder inflammation will worsen, and then it gets really hard for the surgeon to figure out where the structures are to get the gallbladder out. So there are worse outcomes with waiting, and there's a higher conversion to open cholecystectomy from laparoscopic if you wait. Point is, start off with IV antibiotics, but don't wait to cut out the gallbladder. Go for 267. In a non-surgical candidate, you can do a cholecystostomy. That is percutaneous drainage... The tube you put in the back end and drain off the fluid so the inflammation dies down. But what I want you to learn is, if positive, antibiotics to start and take it out as soon as you can. If that stone goes a little further and ends up in the common bile duct, you end
0: up with choledocholithiasis. I'm showing you the pancreas.
1: And the symptoms are going to be based on how far down the stone gets. That's
0: the pancreatic duct, cystic duct, common bile duct. If the stone makes it down to the ampulla of water,
1: remember everything proximal to the obstruction that will be affected, you can get inflammation of the liver, which is shown at elevation of AST and ALT. You can get inflammation of the pancreas, and get pancreatitis, gallstone pancreatitis, which will present with an elevated amylase, an elevated lipase. And because the liver continues to make bile, it is conjugating bilirubin, it is excreting conjugated bilirubin into the biliary tree, but it has nowhere to go because it's obstructed. So first, what's going to happen is you're going to get dilation, the duct. In the acute setting, it won't be that big, but it will be bigger than normal. And eventually, that bilirubin will spill back over into the blood, and the patient will get jaundiced. This is caused by gallstones. And it's gallstones in the common bile duct. Now, you may have gallstone pancreatitis, and that is the second most common cause of pancreatitis. You may have a hepatitis but you certainly will have obstructive jaundice. And that is how the patient will present. A painful jaundice is indicative of a gallstone. Now, the patient may present with the elevated AST, ALT, amylase, lipase, anorexia, the stuff that you see with hepatitis and pancreatitis. They may also have a Murphy
0: sign, And they do have a little bit of inflammation, which means a mild fever and a mild
1: leukocytosis. The diagnosis is going to be made first with a right upper quadrant ultrasound. And what you're looking for is obstruction. You want to see dilated ducts. If you don't see dilated ducts, chances are the stone's not there. Remember, you won't see an obstructing stone. If you think they've got codocolithiasis because they have painful jaundice, that is a direct hyperbilirubinemia and right upper quadrant abdominal pain, and the ultrasound is negative, you get the MRCP. Much like in cholecystitis, where if the ultrasound didn't agree with your clinical picture, you get another test. But in this case, it's not HIDA. You use MRCP. The treatment for codocolithiasis is ERCP. That's where you want to go. But in general, because you don't know if this person's infected or not when you first see them, because they have a little bit of fever and a little bit of leukocytosis, it is okay to make them NPO, give them fluids, and IV antibiotics. The goal is to get to ERCP. But you can also go straight
0: to cholecystectomy. Let me give you the real-life decision you're going to have to make. A
1: surgeon can go in and remove the gallbladder, do an intraoperative cholangiogram, and remove the stones from the back. GI can go into the mouth with a scope, down the esophagus, into the duodenum, up through the Vater, do a sphincterotomy, and pull out all the stones. Then later, the surgeon goes in and does the cholecystectomy. Both work. What I want you to learn is if someone comes in with right upper quadrant ultrasound showing obstruction and painful jaundice, you get the ERCP urgently, and then you do cholecystectomy electively. Knowing that this might get reversed, the ERCP is not necessary, there's lots of permutations, what I want you to learn is ERCP now, cholecystectomy later. And, as a caveat, more for the wards than the boards, you can see the ball valve effect. What might happen is the person is not rushed to ERCP. You diagnose cholelithiasis, and the next day the liver enzymes get better, and the bilirubin goes down. It means that the stone's out of the way. You may not need to go to ERCP at all. But then the next day, the enzymes are back up, and the bilirubin's elevated. What's happening is that this stone is moving up and down, allowing flow, obstructing flow, allowing flow, obstructing flow. So don't be confused by the liver enzymes that go back and forth. That person still needs the ERCP and you may encounter the situation on the wards where the person does not get an ERCP because the stone is believed to have passed spontaneously. That won't happen on your test. The reason why I'm talking so much about this is because cholelithiasis sets us up for the most significant of these diseases, and that's cholangitis.
0: Cholangitis is a very similar picture. Dilated ducts. gallstones in the gallbladder, and an obstructing stone. But now in cholangitis, more so
1: than in choidoclethiasis, you've got stagnant fluid. Whenever you have stagnant fluid, that's a nidus for infection. And bacteria grow, and they get an infection that ascends the biliary tree. So this is sometimes called ascending cholangitis. The pathogenesis is a gallstone in the common bile duct with an infection, and the infection is usually with the gut flora, gram-negative rods, anaerobes.
0: The patient is going to present with right upper quadrant abdominal pain, jaundice, that's the painful jaundice,
1: and fever. Right upper quadrant abdominal pain, jaundice, and fever is the Charcot's triad. cholangitis. If the person gets sick, because this is a gram-negative rods kill people and this is ripe for sepsis, if they also have hypotension and mental status, this completes the Reynolds Pentad. You see these things, they've got cholangitis. This person's in trouble. The diagnosis is going to be made with a right upper quadrant ultrasound what you'll see are dilated ducts. You'll see the obstruction. Just like in chlidoclelithiasis. You won't see the stone but you'll see the effects of the stone. But unlike chlidoclelithiasis, you'll have the option of doing the MRCP. Don't do that. You have the option of the HIDA scan. Don't do that. Because if they've got cholangitis, they need that stone out of the way right now so that bile can flow and the infection can clear. No amount of antibiotics are going to save them if the stone is still there. So both the therapeutic and diagnostic step is ERCP, and this is done emergently. Only then can you again go and do cholecystectomy. And because of the severity of this illness, this is usually done urgently, but sometimes is done electively, just like cholelithiasis the point is if you spot somebody with cholangitis you want to jump to the ERCP but while they're getting ready for ERCP because they are septic they need initial resuscitation so not surprisingly they're going to get IV fluids IV antibiotics and NPO so give them the IV antibiotics first then emergently do the ERCP and then eventually take the gallbladder out this is important though because the ERCP is needed right now. Like, you give the antibiotics on the way to the endo suite. On the test, you give antibiotics. But in real life, you're going to be moving that patient to the endosuite while they're running antibiotics to get that stone out of the way. We keep saying IV antibiotics, IV antibiotics, IV antibiotics. Which IV antibiotics are we going to pick? Well, we know that in all these cases, it's the gallbladder, biliary tree, and so what you're at risk for are gram-negative rods and anaerobes the same bugs that occur in the GI tract. There's a couple of regimens that you can use. The first is ciprofloxacin and metronidazole, gram-negatives and anaerobes. An older one that we don't really see that much anymore but still comes up on the test is ampicillin, gentamicin, and metronidazole, gram-negatives and anaerobes. The one that's going to be wrong on your test, which you're going to see all the time on the wards, is peptazole. Don't pick this, because Piptazo is expensive, and it's the one that everyone uses. Yes, Piptazo, Zosin, covers gram-negatives and anaerobes, but it also covers gram-positives like strep. So in an antibiotic stewardship way, you are wasting a pseudomonas treatment, and you are overcovering with strep. So it will be the wrong answer on the test, which you'll see it be done all the time in the hospital because it's easy and convenient. You should pick a better regimen, Ciprametronazole, ornibacillin genomyosin, and metronidazole. So to review, the least severe of the disease is cholelothiasis, ultrasound, cut it out when you're ready. Cholecystitis, ultrasound, HIDA scan, cut it out in-house, but cover some antibiotics. Choledocolothiasis, painful jaundice, ultrasound MRCP, get the stone out of the way with the ERCP, and then cut it out eventually. Don't forget the IV antibiotics. And you give those IV antibiotics because it could be cholangitis. But the person get, ends up sick as shit, where they have fever, hypotension, and mental status in addition to the painful jaundice. This person gets the ultrasound to make sure it's a gallbladder disease, but don't wait to do the other tests. Give the antibiotics and send them to ERCP emergently, and the cholecystectomy can occur whenever it wants. The antibiotics you're going to use are gram-negative and anaerobic coverage,
0: sipermetronidazole, or ambicillinogenomycin and metronidosol. That's gallbladder disease.